0: Give me all your money or I'll encrypt all your files. Just kidding. Hey guys, and welcome to the show. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh because that intro was very uh-huh. for me. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, today we're going to do something uh, that's actually really interesting. You know, hopefully they're all really interesting, but uh, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, uh, ransomware again. We've talked about it before, we had Jessica on and she did a great job. Uh, Today, we have Paul Bergson with us. Paul, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great, how about yourself?
0: I'm doing good, man, thank you for asking. Um, Paul is a a Platforms and Cybersecurity DSE and you live in Minnesota, correct? I do. Yeah. Yeah, the land of ice and snow.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a pretty nice summer. A lot of you guys down south have been getting it pretty hit hard, but because we're far enough north, we we've just had a beautiful summer.
0: Yeah. So I'm just real quick. Um, I'm I'm from South Florida, and uh, the first time I ever saw snow was like when I moved to North Carolina. I was probably twenty two, twenty three years old, and um, I remember the first time I went to the uh, to the Minnesota Microsoft uh, office in Minneapolis and uh, it was in February and the snow was like four feet deep and uh, there was like two things to do. I could either go to McDonald's or go to the Mall of America and uh, I just had a blast, man. It was just, I'm sure that the people that live in Minnesota were like, you know, I hate this snow. I wish it was gone. But for me, it was just the coolest thing in the world.
1: You know, you gotta love snow and I don't to really wanna live here. But <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, you're younger, you get older, maybe you don't want to be outside as much, but, but I have a lot of fun skiing and, and snowmobiling, things like that. There is a lot to do.
0: Yeah, we were talking before the show a little bit, and the thing that I remember most and I again thought this was just the coolest thing, was that at the Microsoft site and I think it's moved I think the site itself has moved since then because uh, it was out near like the Best Buy headquarters and
1: oh yeah you know, that yeah it's not there anymore um, to be honest I've only yeah. lived in the area for six years so I, I'm not sure where but I know it's not in that area anymore that's all yeah. it developed
0: yeah so anyway out the window there was this huge ski jump and I just thought that, that was the coolest thing because you know the only time I'd ever seen one of those was during the Winter Olympics. Uh, so to see one and to see how big it actually is in real life was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, you got to be nuts to
0: even top of that the first. Yeah, time. not me. I'm never yeah, doing yeah. that. Yeah. I know. That's that's uh, that's just not gonna happen. I want to ski, but I'm not getting on one of those. Well, we got people. Um, so anyway, park. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of lakes, right?
1: Well, I was going say they'll jump on them in February. They'll cut a hole to raise money and everybody jumps in the lake. Uh, oh, wait, too. Is
0: that the polar bear challenge yes. thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, you're going to talk to us today about, about ransomware, and that's something that uh, I think is actually pretty important. Um, we've had uh, uh, a lot of ransomware-style exploits out. Recently and uh, you know not all of them are because of a security vulnerability a lot of them are because of phishing and 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 other things Um, and so uh, you know you're the expert on this stuff and uh, Just wanted to um, You know go through some of the stuff that customers are seeing.
1: yeah, sure um so uh, um, we've We being Microsoft know that the the threat is out there and we wanted to help do something so um we uh went back um the premier team did and we've gone through and just kind of looked at what are some of the things that are happening and you're right um it's not just vulnerabilities that are they're making this happen people are are just plain nice and um you know they want to help people and and prey on that sort of thing with phishing attacks or they're just, you know, there's some people within an organization will just click anything that they can. They never look at the um, the consequences. So if somebody says click here, they just do that and that can create problems. So um, what I I wanted to talk today about in the end was about an offering that we can provide to help our customers called POP, Protecting Against Ransomware. And... um, that that's something that I think a lot of customers need to to look at. And it's not just going to be ransomware. It will help them with malware in general um, if they can guide, you know, let us guide them.
0: Yeah. I'm willing to bet that if you sent an email out saying, hey, if you want to do something really cool and delete all your data, click here, you'd still have somebody that clicks on that link. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Unfortunately, my mother might be one of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, believe me, I've, I've been through that. Yeah, parents shouldn't own. That's <laughs> just the, the way that it is. Now, some parents should, right? There should be like an age limit. Yeah, yeah. I if you age, were, yeah. if you were born before this date, please. don't. <laughs> uh, yeah and you have a child in the i t business please don't buy a computer <laughs> um, that's kind of mean, but I'm just basing it off on my mom and dad so <laughs> um anyway um yeah, I hear you have a presentation for us
1: i do yeah um uh, I'll briefly touch on some ransomware issues, but um the the majority of it is on um what we can do to help you.
0: Okay. Awesome. Let's take a look.
1: Okay. All right. So here's here's the start of the deck, and um, as uh, I think Lex had mentioned earlier, um, this is a barracuda, and it's kind of uh, my thoughts on ransomware because people really have no thought of the damage they're doing to ransomware. Um, I mean, to the people's desktops, their only thought is for them to gain or damage, whether it be a nation-state that's trying to cause harm, which we've recently seen um, were some of the allegations. And in other instances, people are trying to use Bitcoins to capture money from uh, users. So one of the ways um, in which folks are gaining access into into uh, companies is they're using social engineering they've using the what you were raised if you think back your mom and your dad and all your aunts and uncles and everybody taught you to help one another so um, people are getting phone calls they're they're receiving emails and it's asking for things that if you're with a family member or a friend you would just obviously do you know hey can you uh take a look at this and help me that type of thing and and our way we were raised was to help one another and so that's where the our um attackers are using that against us so there's things that you want to do and and be aware of and not just click be click happy and i know we just kind of uh, touched base on that earlier. Um, you know, and this isn't even just on the computer. If you think about it, people can walk up and try to trick you. Um, Kevin Mitnick, if you've ever heard of him, wrote an excellent book on um, uh, social engineering. He was actually in the top 10 most wanted, but he was so good at it and could get pretty much whatever he wanted. But in his credit, he never did any damage his prize was just being able to get in and get access to information so the ransomware has kind of evolved it's been around actually for a long time but i think the thing that really started to make it um profitable and and be covert was the fact of uh cryptocurrency Um, and that started with uh the, um the, the explosion of that, I mean, with Bitcoin, I mean, people made a lot of money, um, even in the um, just the evolution of mining, um, and, and it's slowly grown into a worldwide um, uh, phenomenon. I mean, now you've got other currencies like Ethereum, that's been growing massively. I mean, I, you go back in and you look at any cryptocurrency, you can see how the currency has just grown and grown and grown in value. I remember, when they were a buck a piece, uh, bitcoins, and um, now they're they're um, higher than the price of gold. So ransomware is evolving in the fact that it is so easy to do. It's now cons- now being offered by these attackers as a service. You can pay someone just a very small amount of money, provide them with a list of uh, attacks. People you want to attack, and they can help you build this out and send it. And um, this is making it easier for somebody who has very little skill and being able to target an attack. So, here's here's an example of um, what you'd be basically saying going fishing. You know the play on the play on words there for bitcoins. So you can see here we've got an attacker and a user, and there's some data. So the first thing that happens is that the attacker targets the user, whether it's a, a phishing email, maybe they did a drive-by, whatever. But the user received this uh, executable. So what they do then is they'll go back and they will um, then connect. And this has now circumvented the um, boundary because now is the firewall the way it does, does a good job for you. The identity is now the boundary and you need to protect your identity. So yeah. I mean this could from, just be from, malware. Oh, yep.
0: So from a networking standpoint, it most firewalls deal with incoming connections pretty well. Uh they don't deal with outgoing connections. Uh, yeah. because because people want to go out and surf the internet. They want to go out and, you know, attach to websites and um you know, shop on Amazon, etc. So if uh, I receive an email and I click on the link, what I'm actually doing is I'm generating a connection through the firewall uh, to the bad guy. And it's a connection that I generated internally. So the firewall is more than likely not going to look at that as a su- suspicious connection.
1: And that's exactly right. You hit it right on the head because there's no way internally Unless they're going to really block it down to specific locations, that anything internal could ever begin to manage and monitor that. But as right. there are some things they need a
0: they'd need a whitelist, right? They would need a they they would need a whitelist. You know where where they define certain certain sites that, and those are the only sites that you can actually get to. But that wouldn't be actually something that would be managed on the firewall per se. That would more than likely be managed in another mechan with another mechanism.
1: Correct, and we've got things such as advanced threat analytics that can yeah. really go forward with some of that. And we do touch base on that, um, or we do talk about that in um, our our um, pop protecting against ransomware. So cool. as you can, see, yeah, so you can see the attacker now either has dropped malware on there or is actually connected to the user. So what ha- happens is they get an executable to run that user desktop and they start to then encrypt the the data and the only way that the attacker is going to free that up is by using that uh, um, by being incognito as you can see in the example here he's got the little mask on his face so you can't tell who it is and that's what bitcoin does it hides who the attacker is Now, it's becoming more difficult because if you think back on the uh, WannaCry attack, I believe there was only four wallets that were used, and there really wasn't much money generated. They didn't actually have that many people pay, but since there was only four wallets used, um, there's actually a website you can watch to see if money ever starts to get taken out of them. Um, Officials are watching them, so then they can go back in and track them down and try to arrest them for all the damage they did. Yeah. So, you pay it and if you're lucky, the attacker will give you a um, key. So that's kind of an interesting thoughts on this attack because initially when these were created, these attacks, people were discovering that, that, um, that their files were being encrypted so they quickly shut their machine off, stopped the, stopped the attack and then booted back up and all of a sudden like maybe half of their files were encrypted. Well that created a problem because the users didn't know how to um, get a hold of their attacker and the attacker by not being able to be contacted would um, not be able to provide the relief so now when the attacker starts to encrypt they start dropping uh, um, little text files everywhere saying hey if you want to uh, you want to um, unencrypt this you know here's how you do it so it's completely different over the years because of those types of scenarios that they want to make sure they get paid. And along with that, the there are attackers who have actually created help desks so that if you're having a problem with your <laughs> data. Yeah, isn't that crazy? They've got they've got these sites where they help the the people who have been damaged unencrypt their uh, their data. So it I mean this is really a crazy world where um, living in here as far as some of these uh, ransomware attacks. So, like I said, we were talking about WannaCry. Um, you know, it, the thing with WannaCry was it, it leveraged a couple different um, vulnerabilities, and one of which was uh, allowed through MS-10, 1710 was it created the ability to, to do a worm attack. So, um, that was the only really thing that really worked well they didn't do a good job of, of getting the money, but if you think about what went wrong, if folks would have been able to patch their um, systems when when uh, these you know if you kept up to date, you wouldn't have had an impact. It right. also say SMB one is old, really old. It's time to shut that off. Yeah. Um, and I mean that 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 would have also solved all kinds of problems. And then making sure you have backups. And I know it sounds simple, but you need to have offline backups. Uh, if you, I mean, I've got three backups. I'm, I'm guessing you guys are probably the same. I backup three different ways just yeah. if something goes wrong.
0: So MS seventeen zero ten. What, what explicitly was that exploit?
1: That was uh, the uh, SMB one had a vulnerability in it that gave them. Um, uh, the ability you know the the attackers the ability to um just go from machine to machine to machine and uh
0: ah uh, so okay one. so, That's so the not SMB everybody one. not everybody yeah yeah so, yeah, so i mean if you, you were still you still could have gotten attacked if you answered the email but it wouldn't have spread
1: right right yeah that gave it the, the that gave it the worm worming ability because normally it's it's um some of some attackers are coming in they're actually doing what's called an RDP attack and they're um, just doing a brute force to an external site and they get on it, just manually get on it and from there they start attacking but um, this was a worm attack um, and uh, I believe that Petya Pet, and Petnya, Petna which is actually wasn't the same team um, then started to build a brute force attack within the malware itself so these guys are getting better and better and better at what they're doing, and using automation to um, groom their attacks. So now, what can Microsoft do? Um, you know, folks, there's a lot of there's a lot of systems out there. I mean, we've done a lot to help. If you think about all the work we've put into Microsoft Server 2016 and Windows 10, we've really started to focus in on 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 security, but I mean, there's a lot of money that's associated, associated with upgrading. It's not as simple as just having a single machine at home and upgrading. There can be dependencies. So what Microsoft is, um, has done is we've created this offering called POP, Protecting Against Ransomware. And what we did is we went through and looked at what can we do and what are the steps that you need to take to start to look at the attack, so we broke it out into three phases, and the first one is is just plain try to stop the intruder from getting in, and if you can do that, excuse me, then there should be no issues, but I think everybody knows you'll never be able to be a hundred percent disconnected you just get in I mean there's even you hear air gap, where machines have been attacked through air gap. So you always got to expect the fact that there's going to be um, um, attacks. So once, if if an intruder gets in, then you need to start to look at trying to prevent traversal and allowing it branch out through the system, which would be a defense. Once you've got these guys in there, you have to stop them. So we've got defenses within this offering to talk about containing this attack. And finally, we then looked at, okay, we've been breached, we've got, we've got activity that occurred, make sure we've got the configuration set up in place to do a recovery from this attack. So we looked at these three pieces and then we went back and we started to look at the individual pieces within there that can help us prevent an attack. So. Um, we used to have a uh, delivery called Pop App Locker, and I actually did a, a, a talk with you folks about a year ago on that. And we had taken that um, we had taken that offering, and we actually rolled it up into here because we thought that um, we this would be this fits so perfectly because when we initially built it, we built it with malware in mind, app locker um, controls. So. If you look at AppLocker and what whitelisting does is you want to stop users from executing applications that weren't intended to be run. And one of the things that Microsoft Windows has in it by default is every user. If you look at down here below, you'll see users workstation A, user A, and user B. If you have multiple users logging onto a workstation, they um, have write rights. Well, if they can write to it, that means they can execute from it. So what, what we want to do then is block these users. If they're dropping any type of malware on there, we don't want them to execute it. And that's where AppLocker comes in. But not only is the user's, works, user's uh, workspace executable, there are some work folders within Windows. Because by default, only administrators can write to the Windows subfolder. But that's not 100% true. So what AppLocker wants to do then is stop users from executing codes in those locations where they have writable access. Now, here, here's where I ran what's called the um, uh, script we have called RuleGen out there, and it came back, and these are actually the writable directories within Windows. So our default install doesn't cover these by default and this is part of what we go through with this um, delivery and to show you even how well this um, uh, app locker can be I've got a short um, video I'd like to show you guys so I've got a short video here that I want to walk through how app locker can help prevent malware attacks In particular, let's look at an example of Ransomware. So for starters, we've we've got a couple of Windows 10 workstations in our environment. One, which the developers, we've got this workstation sitting in a developer's organizational unit called Win 1003. And we've got another uh, computer, Windows 10, and it sits in the Executive Assistance organizational unit. So if we jump on over to the Group Policy, we can see at the root of the AppLocker Workstations OU, we've got the AppLocker Start Service. And what this OU is going to do is it's going to ensure that all workstations within this organization unit will have the AppLocker Service app identity um, set to automatic. So, when a machine starts up, it'll automatically start up the service. Then, going down and looking, we see that the AppLocker default rules are enforced for the Win 1003 machine, and for the Executive assistants Right now, we're in an audit mode, so we will capture all rules that have been um, intended to be applied against the machine but they'll only be logged in the event log, and any anything that wants to run will run. So let's jump over first to our executive assistants workstation, and we're going to open up an email that our executive assistants received. And from here you can see that um, they received this email, and it, it includes an attachment statement.xls. So in this scenario, it's hypothetical that they received this from an internal employee, and they are to go through this statement and perform some work process on it. So let's start up this attachment, or open it up, excuse me, and right away popping up, you'll notice that um, it comes in a protected view, so you'll have to Enable editing, which is just um, uh, something that's a good practice. So we, we do we'll need to update this. We'll click Enable to give us the ability to enable um, enable editing of the document. And then you'll notice that um, macros have been disabled. So the user looks at this and... Um, they figure, yeah, hey, I need to um, work on this, and it's saying i got macros disabled. I must need it because if you read online, two, it says, if you are unable to view this workbook, click Enable Content. Well, I need to read it, so I'm going to click Enable Content. And in the background, boom. With the user doing nothing but enabling the contents, um, it has kicked off malware. Now, I've obviously made this a pop-up much quicker because, you know, it, it can take hours behind the scenes for things to be occurring and users being unaware. Um, well, probably not hours, but it's, gonna, it's it takes longer than a couple seconds to go back and encrypt everything. So I just wanted to give you a quick example to see what can quickly happen if you start clicking and are unaware and what a macro can do just without you doing anything other than Uh, just enabling macros within Office, uh, the, the damage that can be done. So now let's go take a look at the event log to find out what was reported. Okay, so let's go through Event Viewer, Applications, Microsoft, Windows and finally let's go look at AppLocker itself. And I know that it was a script that would have been that would have been executed in this instance and you'll notice that if I open up this specific event comes back um, ransomware.command was allowed to run but would have been prevented from running if the app locker policy were enforced. So in our policy, we've got both, if you recall, we have both the enforced and the audited. And this is the default policy, and what that default policy defines against users is that if it's a writable area and um, users have read rights, which read also means execute, then block it. But in this Audit mode, we're just saying, hey, if you would have enabled um, AppLocker to prevent it, this would not have been allowed to be run. So let's go jump on a machine on the developer side where they were um, enforced. So let's see the exact same scenario, but with an enforced audit policy or uh, app AppLocker policy. So once again, we have to open the statement. We'll enable editing again. And then, once again, we will enable content. And, as you notice, nothing really happened. Or so you don't think. So let's go down and take a look at Event Viewer. And look at uh, Windows Logs. Oh, excuse me, not Windows Log. Application service logs, Microsoft, Windows, App Locker, and finally let's go into MSI and script. And you'll notice ransomware.cmd was prevented from running. So just with a simple policy, a built-in policy, and this isn't even as restrict as we recommend, but this is just a starter policy to prevent basic um,
0: settings, just the basic commands, immediately stopped malware from running. Wow, that was a great video. That was pretty informative. You know, we were joking about um, parents and, and people that are essentially non-computer people dealing with computers and how... You know, as being in the computer industry, we we always get tagged with helping people. But, you know, I was watching that video, and I saw that splash screen come up with, like, all of the threats. And, oh, your, your IP address has been used to access child pornography. And you and I, we look at that. You know, if somebody popped that up on my screen, I would laugh. And, and you know, I, I'd, I'd have a pretty good idea. I knew what was going on. and Sure. Um, it, it would, you know, I'd know that it was a scam. Number one, I'd know that I was being targeted probably for a virus or ransomware or some sort of worm. But the average person, right, you know, my grandmother would see that and freak out. She would not know what was going on. She might even believe it and take it seriously. And that's the whole social engineering aspect of this.
1: You bet. Yep. Yeah, my mom paid over $300 to somebody to get viruses off her machine, and all they really did was load viruses on it.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, my favorite one just, and this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but, um, you misspell Facebook or Amazon or something like that and you get the screen and sirens blare and, you know, warning, you know, pops up and, um, your virus isn't, your computer is infected with a virus. Please call this number immediately. Um, and, uh, you know, that's easy enough for us to do. By the way, if you don't know how to kill that, you just open Task Manager, find all instances of Internet Explorer or Edge or whatever browser you're using and kill them. And uh, usually that goes away and uh, and you're good to go. Um, but uh, stuff like that, man, it's scary for people that don't understand what's actually going on.
1: Oh, yeah. I Yep. I mean... You, you you hit it right in the head. That's what my mom did. She got one of those you're infected and so she called and then they loaded it up. I had to rebuild her machine. It's it's nuts. Yeah. It's really sad. It's really yeah, sad. It,
0: it, and it's also um it it's it it it's horrible that there are people out there that do that type of thing, but there certainly are.
1: Yep. Yep. so if we um kind of go back to the I know I I don't I don't mean to I'm afraid on time here. I maybe we've got our time. Um
0: no, uh, no, we're fine. So, so okay. the cool thing about this podcast is we don't have, we don't have a limit. We don't have
1: a time. Limit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, the app blocker, it, um, it really you, from what you saw there, that was just it, just a basic install. Once we come right. in and help you, it's it, we can do so much more. But just right out of the box, you want to go and load it up, boom. It, it, it has that much of an impact, something five minutes. I'm, I'm seriously, it's a five minute install. I mean, it's already built in enough. There's no cost. None of this is all free app locker. So, wow.
0: Yeah. The app locker is free. The pop yes. is Yes.
1: Oh free. yeah. Right. Yeah. There is, there is a the cost of the app locker engagement. Um, okay. If you're a premier employee, talk to your TAM and they can help you.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. But by the way, just so that everybody knows, it's not really that expensive. Especially when you, when you consider the value of the data that, that you're going to lose, and I don't mean to say that it's even close to equal that. Uh, you know, your data is the most important thing that you have. Can you do uh, just just curiosity-wise? Can can we go ahead and um, um, uh, talk about some of the some of the items you have on this slide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, moving forward, one of the one of the
1: one of the other vector points, the main vector point is fishing. And so, if you look at it, we've got both on-premise and in the cloud. So, you, you look at Exchange, there are um, configuration settings for anti-malware and anti-spam within yeah. uh, Exchange. And then, if you look at Exchange Online, you've got anti-malware and anti-spam. And now, with O365, we've got built-in advanced threat protection, and that can plug into Windows Defender, antivirus, and... Um, Uh, advanced uh, ATA advanced threat uh, uh, analytics yeah Uh, and uh, um, I've been doing some work for a customer of mine on ATA and uh, they've got some of these plugins and we've got some really cool stuff where you can you can see right from when that came in to to who's been infected and uh, how many people if if you're being a targeted attack there's ways to see from our you know we have such a large I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself but we're such a large company. We've got like a billion different connections, I think, and, and, and we can just see all this activity that's ongoing. So um, if you're not using yeah. Windows Defender, you really want to take a second look at it. It's
0: state-of-the-art yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's the first thing I do, is make sure that Windows Defender is turned on. Um, it's, uh, it's free, it ships with the product, and uh, um, it does a great job.
1: So speaking of Windows Defender, part of this uh, uh, ransomware protection is, is let me give you a little um, insight of how Defender works. So if you think about it, um, nowadays there's many targeted attacks where somebody's going after a specific organization. Maybe they've got some special product that um, somebody wants to gain access to, who knows what it is. So one of the things you want to do for an attacker is make it more expensive for him to go after you as opposed to maybe a competitor of yours so if you're really putting a lot of money into your product you want to make sure you're protecting it so what windows defender can do for you is say like they've they've uh, uh this attacker sent out a couple three emails to different um Uh, individuals within the company they've put in an enormous amount of time they've gone through all the background checking you know on the different social engineering or social sites you know engineering trying to make sure they can figure out just how to get a user to click on it so unfortunately that occurs you know um, the inbox is sitting with multiple people so this first user clicks on this um, piece of software and Windows Defender since it's brand new wouldn't know anything about it but what it, what it will do is it'll take and before they execute it, Windows Defender will ship it up to the cloud and then it goes back and it says, okay, I don't know what this is. I'm going to say you can go on, but I can go ahead and take this this executable that's in here or you know, your, whatever it is, and I'm going to go put it in a detonation chamber and see what happens. So that occurs and the file runs and he does get infected. So now... Remember, we've got multiple users out there that have received that. Um, so while this automation process is going on, I mean, this is, this is occurring. It's not like you have to download with antivirus in general. You know, you have to download these signature files. If we continue on that signature file path, we're never going to get ahead of the game. So if, if you see that, we've now learned in the detonation chamber that it's malware. So what happens? When the second user clicks... On this same um, executable from which went out and downloaded, as you can see there, just like the first user did, when they go to execute it, it comes back and it's telling them, "Hey, um, this malware is blocked." So you can see, and this really is this is seconds to yeah. to you know, like one user, and then a minute later, another user clicks on it or whatever it is. Um, it might have taken the attacker hours and hours or days to come up with all of this, so we can stop this user or this attacker from doing it. The first user did get attacked, and remember we talked earlier you 're never going to be able to stop um, in there, you know users from being infected, but we do want to contain attackers, and this is one of the pieces then we now that we 've known about this with some of our metrics or telemetry behind the scenes, we can start to realize, hey, this user's been um, attacked. We can go back in. When I was talking about advanced threat protection, we can see where this all started, and we can go to see other users that were attacked, and now we can say, hey, look at end user 2 is attacked, and we can then go back in and try to help them. So part of the attack besides the phishing is there's still people that are going to come after you Against um maybe you're keeping your operating system up to date, but is everybody keeping all of their third party products up to date you know that's a big deal right now because Microsoft's Windows product operating system is no longer the main target for um, um for vulnerabilities it's these third party products such as flash um uh, and um it escapes me um Java I mean. Yeah. These types of things are not what're going after, so companies have to be diligent and not just updating so we'll 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 um, start to uh, help with with that and then we already showed in that in that um, in that video what can happen if you 're not diligent about your macro controls. So one of the things with these macro controls, and we, when we, we talk about this in delivery, is, is you want to make sure if you're running macros, the only signed macros that you trust are allowed to be um, executed. Um, you might even not allow any macros within emails to be executed. So this is something that you want to be diligent in doing and making sure that if your users are using macros, you've got, you've got a response to help protect that.
0: Yeah, I actually thought it was interesting in the video that you used excel to uh, as the yeah, example.
1: Yeah, it was actually it was a script a script that I called the commit. and all it was is it was a dropped file a couple couple drop files in a in a writable location and then those files you know and I'm not a, by any means a malware writer. I mean I'm not going right. to pretend I you know I wrote machine language code back in the mainframe days which puts me back in the in the late late seventies, early eighties, so things have changed yes. a bit since then.
0: Just just <laughs> just a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, so then we also start to talk about hardening because this this gets gets into the the uh, experience of lateral protection, um, both your workstations and servers. You want to make sure that these things are hardened um, and. Um, uh, any recommended settings are set as as we think they should be, so we'll go through that. We'll, we'll walk you through where to find this these definitions. We, we've got engineers or consultants, uh, highly skilled consultants that um, will sit on other boards such as NIST, and they're actually guiding NIST on what the settings are. Um, so we, we, we're the creators of this content. We know it better than anybody else, and we can help you when we come in there, and we know what these settings should be and um, why we're, why we're um, advising you. You know, yeah. out of the box, people say, why don't you just tighten everything down? But there's things that sometimes people need, Then you need to be aware of that. But we're giving you the ability, if you follow this guidance, if you want to default that way, you can do it.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: So then we go through some uh, credential theft mitigation roadmaps. We talk about Privileged Access Workstation. I believe you've actually had a taste of premiere on that. With, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we, we t- talk about LAPS, and within LAPS you've got um, Firewall, you've got the, uh, uh, the LAPS solution and securing Privileged Access. And I know Jessica has um, had a couple different uh, um, uh, conversations with you on that. So those yeah. are good ones to go back and, and watch. If you haven't seen them, I would strongly recommend it. Jessica's very animated, a great, a great uh, delivery person. Yeah. Um, she's actually one that really got me into security. So um, Then we talked about Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection. This is where we talk about behavior-based. This isn't downloading some signature. So this is being updated on the fly, happening and occurring. You know, and people saying, "Well, I don't want Microsoft to get my information." If Microsoft isn't getting the, these behavior-based attack-type information, we can't help. We're not using that for anything other than to protect you. There's no, we're using it then to target you for some selling you something. That's just not the case. This is purely to protect you from your adversaries. And, and, and then, even more, we, the, first two, the first two we spoke about were protecting from getting in, then if they've gotten in, and finally, if data has been damaged, can you go back and
0: get that and recover that data? Right. One thing that I want to insert here is that uh, I want to be clear that people understand that once your files are encrypted... You know, we probably aren't going to be able to help you get those back. Um, I mean, if you've got a backup, we can restore the backup. But we don't have a magic method for unencrypting encrypted data. So if your data's been targeted and you don't have a backup of that data, we there's almost zero chance that we're going to be able to get in there and and backwards engineer the malware and unencrypt the stuff that it has encrypted.
1: And and not only that, these malware writers are going out and deleting your backups. So like it's going out and and turning off um your um volume share copies, volume shadow copies. It's turning that stuff off and deleting this so that if you were like you're saying i was like okay, we can't get them because it's It's encrypted. We don't have the key to unencrypt it. Microsoft doesn't have – people say, oh, Microsoft's got this backdoor here and there. There's no such thing as that. When you encrypt it, you own the key. So, yeah, I mean, that's a really good Um, call-out. So, um, yeah, and and when people back up, they just say, okay, just back up everything. And that's a really bad idea. You don't want to just back up everything because, you know, all of a sudden HR is sponsoring some party. Is it, is it important to make sure that that party is backed up to the same importance as some intellectual property that you've been developing to create, I don't know, some new um, drug to help with cancers? cancer research? Of course not. So you want to make sure that those files are password protected, they're stored offline, and you're you're testing backups, and you're making sure the backups are working. These are these are pieces that people take for granted and think, well, I, I checked my backup three years ago. they got to still be working. And that's just not the case. So we, we, we want to talk you through some of that and, and, and go through this and make sure that um, you're following these best practices. Yeah. And then, and again, we've, we've already mentioned this, um, social engineering. It, it's, it's amazing. You go out to some of these, um, uh, video, video sites that, um, you know, offer you, you can streaming video. You can go out there and you can type in things such as social engineering and they'll show you examples where people are tricked into doing something because they thinking they're helping someone and it's just a ruse and you're getting, um, uh, you're getting attacked and you don't even realize that they're just that convincing. Um, so it's something we, we, we try to talk with, we go over and, and some of the scenarios that are occurring. So, you know, I've got my little guard dog here, but my guard dog just doesn't cover everything. But we sure as heck in this um Short span that we have here hope that we've been able to uh, give you some enlightenment and uh, hopefully in the future um, we can uh, provide some assistance for you on um, ransomware
0: do you can you tell me how many days the offering usually uh, is oh or yeah sure yeah I'm okay. sorry yeah it's um,
1: it's broken out into three days and okay. um, uh, we, you know uh, it's um, I could I didn't think about it I probably could have put a schedule up.
0: But, yeah yeah no that's uh, the, the app
1: locker piece the app locker yeah. piece we actually uh, go through a, um, a lab and set up a proof of concept for you and then the rest of the time you know we we actually do some some stuff with Emmet. it's old technology but we still talk about it because it's still valuable and um, you know they've got some win 10 pieces in there we didn't talk about even you know like exploit guard which um, which is uh, going to replace Emmett um, so we, there's a lot of stuff in win 10 that we didn't even cover in, in this conversation that we talk about in this delivery that I mean, Win 10 people just have to understand you need to get to Win 10 this has got nothing to do with our, our, you know, our, the money piece, we really, truly care about the customer. Um, and we want to protect them, but we can't protect them. And I was at Microsoft ready doing the delivery on this and, and one of the things I heard someone say which I thought was just right to the point you can't protect yourself with tools of the past with the types of threats that we've got going on now so you've got to move forward with your with your, um, your operating system you got to get get forward it's just no other way around it
0: yeah absolutely well listen man I want to thank you for your time and thank you for walking us through this and the offering um, um, certainly worthwhile, and hopefully uh, customers will see this, understand that this is something that will help them protect their infrastructure and their data. And, uh, um, you know, that's, that's, that's our goal here. So th- thanks again.
1: All right. Thanks. I appreciate you having me, and, and best of luck to my customers out there. Hopefully they don't uh, have to deal with this.
0: Yeah, right. The, exactly.
1: The ransomware attacks, yeah. Yep.
0: yep. All right, guys, without further ado, that's your Taste of Premiere.